Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Oh, this week's episode, The Lion King Roars to Life. Avengers Endgame finally hits number one and Marvel unveils its Phase 4 at Comic-Con. All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. And I'll tell you what, I am so excited about everything that went on for this episode. Just a lot of great stuff to talk about. And unfortunately, one of the biggest news events of the year, and Josh is out somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I think he's looking for Bigfoot, but he's going to be gone for a couple episodes. So hopefully we'll go ahead and and be able to stay the course without him. But to help me get through this week's episode is a man indeed who bailed me out. I just truly cannot thank him enough for being part of today's show. He is a man among men when it comes to his awesome show, the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, and his total experience, SmokingHotConfessions.com. If you want the inside on everything as far as barbecue, recipes, interviews, the whole grilling scene, I'll tell you what, there's no better place to go than SmokingHotConfessions.com. And it's the man himself, Ben Arnault. Ben, just truly awesome to have you on the show. And again, thank you publicly for bailing me out once again. Mate, any time. I'm always happy to be on the Pop Culture Cosmos, and I'm really happy that you reached out to me. Oh, it was awesome indeed. I tell you what, man, I was so excited. I, I tell you, if you were here in Las Vegas and you would have seen myself and my daughter just freaking out as we went <laughs> saw the news coming out, just line after line after minute after minute from the Marvel panel at this week's San Diego Comic-Con, it just – it was like, you know, we were just – like school kids we're just giddy as well although my daughter is a school kid we're just giddy like school kids just oh 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 just one after another after another after another and if you get a chance and you need to catch yourself up to date beyond what's going to be talked about in today's program or if you want to go ahead and hear more read more about it in detail check out our pop culture cosmos facebook page where i posted over 50 different articles that are out there from San Diego Comic-Con, including many, many, many of the news items that that Marvel presented at its most recent Panel H at San Diego Comic-Con. So you got to check that out indeed. But yes, Marvel did unveil its Phase 4 for the next two, three years, plus also some quick mentions about Phase 5 as well. We'll talk about that in great detail. Plus, we've got some great news to talk about when it concerns Avengers Endgame. But you know what, my friend? We do have to talk about the big winner at the box office this weekend. It's The Lion King. $180 million here in the U.S. Worldwide, it's over $500 million. 
it's in its second weekend internationally, but I'll tell you, my friend, this looks like it's going to be another billion dollar maker for Disney. Well, mate, if anybody needs another billion dollars, it's got to be Disney. I'll tell you, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, with the Lion King heading in that direction, it looks like also as well that Aladdin and possibly even Toy Story 4 could sneak into that category as well. It's been a banner year for Disney in a down year overall for movies. And I'll tell you what, they are the shining light. I know a lot of people in Hollywood and a lot of people in the entertainment industry do not like the fact that Disney is dominating the box office. But if it wasn't for Disney, we really might not have too many hits after all. Well, I mean, there's always going to be that constant grumble of, of, of naysayers. We have an expression here in Australia. I don't know if you have it in America. We call it tall poppy syndrome. And that's when you're one of the people and you're working towards something, everyone supports you. And as soon as you start to rise up above, the people that previously supported you just want to cut you back down again. And I think that that might be happening a little bit here with Disney just because they are really just nailing it in all corners. You know, they've got the Marvel, they've got the Star Wars. I mean, they can put out as many Star Wars movies as they want, and I'm going to throw my money at that every single time. And the same with the Marvel films. We um, we actually have a bit of a bit of an ongoing joke in our family about how often we're now going to the cinema compared to how, how often we used to go. We used to go maybe, you know, twice a year. Other than that, we just wait for for well, then DVDs. Remember them? <laughs> exactly. And um, and uh, and now it feels like we're going, you know, once or twice a month. So personally, I love it. I think that Disney's suffering a bit of tall poppy syndrome. But when they're making product that good, when the movies are that good, more power to them, praise to them, you know? Absolutely. And their live action remakes, for the most part, have been hitting on a very high notes, Aladdin, like I said, is just at that or just going to break over that $1 billion mark next week and possibly Toy Story 4 with their Pixar company that they own as well. Don't forget about them. They're doing very strongly. It's You know what? If it doesn't make a billion, you know what? A consolation prize, $900 million worldwide is nothing to sneeze at for Toy Story 4. So it looks like it's going to be a great year overall for Disney and all that. But The news got even better for Disney because it was announced at San Diego Comic-Con during the Hall H panel for Marvel Studios. Kevin Feige did announce that Avengers Endgame, drumroll please, they actually became finally the number one movie of all time generated based off of sheer dollars if you went off inflation i mean it gets all funky from there but yes as far as sheer dollars avengers endgame did pass avatar this weekend your thoughts on avengers endgame finally becoming the number one box office movie of all time for a while it looked like it was going to be a sure thing and then it kind of slowed down in the last month where it was going to be like touch and go but it finally made it over the hump conveniently right during the Marvel panel. <clears throat> they cheated. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> slipping in a mute here, a million there, maybe. Yeah. No, it's, um, I, I find it a little bit, a little bit funny that they're, you know, lauding themselves about, you know, knocking off Avatar. Their own product, you know, that they purchased with the Fox company. So Avatar is now their property. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Avatar didn't do a sneaky re-release. Yeah, with that's the extra, true. With the extra whopping 30 seconds of footage. 
I'm I'm being facetious there, but you know they did pull a couple of strings just to uh, to get themselves that title. So you know, I mean, again, I loved Avengers Endgame. Don't get me wrong, I I think it was absolutely fantastic. It was an incredibly ambitious project. It has taken them ten years to get there, and uh, look, again, m- more power to them. Great job with the re-release. I just think it's a little bit cheeky to uh, to be bragging about knocking off Avatar. You're right, but it's, it's essentially the same movie. The real release, it was just re-released in about, uh, you know, I think worldwide it was re-released in, in a, like you said, two, 3,000 more theaters. Did it generate that much income? From what I was seeing, it didn't generate as much as I think they, they would have hoped for. So it probably, probably would have inched to this record anyways, but you're right. This helps speed up the process and it really didn't essentially become a new movie. It just, like you said, tacked on. The, and I saw the deleted scene, which was not worth my time, really. And also as well, the, you know, the tribute to Stan Lee, which was worth my time. But yes, it, it, you could say the re-release, and I know people will go ahead and go for that. But then again, Avatar was in, the, was in the theaters for six months. So it's a give and take on that. And again, it's not for the price of inflation. If we're talking about the inflation or tickets sold, it's a whole different ball of wax. For that, you need to go to boxofficemojo.com. That's where I go for reference on that. You can go ahead and argue and calculate that all you want because you'll be doing that all day if you do. But again, Avengers Endgame is number one in as far as dollars generated out there, and we congratulate Marvel on doing so. Absolutely. Absolutely indeed, my friend. But speaking of Marvel, they had this little shindig down in San Diego at Comic-Con this weekend because they took over Comic-Con. There was some news from a lot of other places. In fact, some of it we reported on the PCC Multiverse, but you know what? Marvel just really, man, I tell you what, they unleashed a lot of information and they didn't even, you know, the, the best part about it is they didn't even give you all the information that you were hoping for. I'm sure they're going to be saving some for D23 at the end of August, but I'll tell you what, they unleashed a, plethora of information including what is up ahead in the next phase phase four of the marvel cinematic universe and you and i are going to go over each and every one as best we can first up my friend it is black widow something you and i both have talked about before that we're really excited for that's coming out may 1st 2020 it's set between the events of civil war and infinity war where you see her pal up with falcon and captain america it's going to deal with budapest Finally, we're going to see something in regards to that mentioned, possibly even a cameo by Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, but there's going to be David Harbour from Stranger Things is going to be playing a character in the movie likened to a Russian version of Captain America who has a bone to pick with Captain America, as he said during his interviews at Comic-Con, plus also the villain who was not announced as far as the actor, the main villain in the movie is going to be the Taskmaster. Are you familiar with the Taskmaster and what he's all about? I am. I absolutely love the Taskmaster. The idea that he can just watch what somebody does and then just replicate that straight away, that that to me is just fascinating. I, um, I'm, I'm a teacher by day, and so the idea of being able to just watch something once and then be able to just do it, that is just really exciting for me. He's a paid mercenary, loves the money, but as he learns these things, as let's say he's learning Black Widow's fighting style, he forgets his family. He forgets where he's from. He forgets his past. 
So that's a kind of interesting story arc if they go ahead and transfer that over into the Black Widow movie as well. So I'm intrigued to see what the Taskmaster has to offer when it comes to the Black Widow movie next year. After hearing all that and seeing Scarlett Johansson now, you know, just excited about the role coming up, even after what controversial comments she made earlier in the week. But still, a lot of people were very, very excited for her coming up in Black Widow. Are you excited after hearing the whole slate that Black Widow is going to be heading up the list for Phase 4? Oh, mate, I've been wanting to see a Black Widow movie ever since I saw her grab that guy in that uh, in that neck thigh choke and flip him through the air in Iron Man 2. So the second I saw that, I was like, I, I, she needs a movie. I've, I've Absolutely, I've, I've got to see more of this. So, uh, yeah, we're all stoked here. Uh, my wife's a redhead, so the idea of a, of a redhead woman in an action role, just absolutely decimating armies of, uh, of of foreign soldiers. We're all super excited about it. And she will have the red hair because in that part of the timeline, she will have that red hair. So it'd be interesting to see how this is going to play out. Not only will we see reference to that time frame that is in, that the movie set in between the events of Civil War and Infinity War, but will they go back even farther to her upbringing and, again, delve even in more detail as far as Budapest, what Hawkeye and her have talked about on more than one occasion throughout the MCU. So it'll be very interesting to see and maybe leave also a possibility that she could come back at some point in time down the road in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Let's keep our fingers crossed as Black Widow debuts in theaters on May 1st next year. Coming up right after that, well, you know what? Disney Plus, if you have it by that time, you're going to be very excited because you will start seeing all these Marvel series come out one by one by one. And the first one that's coming out are two familiar names indeed, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're coming out. Well, Falcon, a.k.a. the new Captain America because he's got the shield. He's going to be ready to go. But the biggest news from that was during the course of that announcement was Daniel Brugge coming on to the screen as Zemo, putting on the hood that everybody that's a comic book fan knows and, and, are, and is familiar with. So we could be seeing very much a appearance by Captain Zemo. The Masters of Evil, I don't know about that part of it because as I've told you before, my friend, during the events of Civil War, there was every opportunity to go ahead and create those Masters of Evil, but... Unfortunately, that didn't come about, but we could be seeing a different version of that. But we will definitely be seeing Captain Zemo come around when Falcon and the Winter Soldier appears in the spring of 2021. Are you excited for that one with Disney Plus? I am. I am. I'm a little bit disappointed that it's going to its own Disney streaming thing, just because we're not going to get it in Australia for, for quite a while. But I'm really enjoying pretty much everything that I see the Falcon actor doing at the moment. I was just watching um, Black Mirror. Yes, and he's the in great episode of Black Mirror. In that. Yeah, so good, so good. And just everything that that guy touches is turning to gold at the moment. So I'm really excited to see that. And I like the Winter Soldier too. I think that's a, like a really complex character. He's got lots of things going on. There's tons and tons of different storylines that they could explore with him, whether they follow the comics or they start making their own from it, from all his brainwashed time with the Russians and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's just there's so many places that that show could go. It would just be absolutely awesome to watch. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, with Captain Zemo back in play, you know they're going to reference it as far as the words are concerned and the brainwashing and all that referenced in Captain America's Civil War. So 
you know they're going to go ahead and do that. I'm excited about the series myself. I know Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackey are ready to go. They're really excited for the series. I'm ready to see how it's going to play out on Disney+. Plus. I will tell you that for fans of Sebastian Stan who feel like they've been burned, I know Josh is one of those individuals that has really been disheartened by the way Sebastian Stan and the Winter Soldier has been treated over the course of the two most recent films, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. This is kind of like a redemption for him and a showcase for him. So I'm really looking forward to see what the Winter Soldier has to offer. As far as someone that fights on the side of good, I'm hoping that that's the case and that they won't rehash too much as far as what they did in Captain America Civil War. I'm hoping that now that he's no longer brainwashed or that he's been cleaned or cleansed of it supposedly by what he was going through in Wakanda. Tell you what, I'm hopeful that there will be a great series, though, and a battle that's brewing between Captain Zemo and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier when that appears in spring 2021 on Disney+. Plus. Looking forward to it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code Vitabrace50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband, or use the code buy one get one and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VitaBrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. VitaBrace, win with it. Oh, there's so much to talk about, my friend. I tell you what, there's just so many great things. And we're just getting started when it concerns Phase 4. And remember, everything that we're talking about right now in Phase 4 all ties into each other. It's not going to be where, like, the now outgoing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where there are vague references or anything like that, or the Netflix Marvel shows, where there's also vague references, but they're not any really – there's not too much in the way of, of tying into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is all going to heavily tie into each other. You know, you're going to need to watch the Disney Plus. Also, as well, you're going to need to watch the movies to make sure you're following it all out. And when Kevin Feige was talking about this in interviews, he said the reason why there's no Avengers movie right now in Phase 4, it's going to be, for the most part, beginnings for a lot of the movies and, and projects that you're going to be seeing. The next thing I'm going to talk about is The Eternals. The Eternals is something that's still kind of a mystery. The superhumans that were created millions of years ago stars Angelina Jolie. Looks like it's got a nice lineup there of, of some well-known names. Obviously headed again, like I said, by Angelina Jolie. My question for you, my friend, is who are the Eternals and how are they going to be relevant to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, as you said, they're, uh, they're a group of, um, of superhumans created you know, eons ago. And Look, I'll be straight up honest with you. They haven't really sort of made much of an appearance here in Australia. So the only thing that I know about them is is what I've been reading off the internet. It sounds kind of reminiscent of other various sort of movies and shows that I've seen where they try and um, bring, you know, ancient Egyptian gods into 
film and that sort of stuff. And so I'm, look, I'll be straight up honest. I'm a little bit skeptical about this Eternals film. And I don't blame you. I know a lot of people are as well. They got to do a lot of hype over the course of the summer before that movie comes out. And it's scheduled to debut in theaters on November 6th of 2020. But I will tell you this, my friend. I am hopeful that now Disney and Marvel have learned their lessons from the Inhumans. But I got to ask you, since you are skeptical, if you're a betting man right now, are you going to bet that this mostly unknown property, is it more remnant of Guardians of the Galaxy, which created obviously its own unique series because of how well that first one did? Or will it go the way of Inhumans, which will actually end up being off the MCU list entirely? Yeah, Inhumans. I was excited to see the Inhumans TV show, and then I just wasn't. Yeah, you that, watched uh, the Inhumans TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Inhumans TV show, it, it crashed and burned pretty hard, which is a shame because it had so much potential, and particularly because it was kind of it kind of linked back to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There they had the, um, oh, the actress's name is Chloe, but the, the character Quake, Quake's mother was one of the Inhumans and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I, I was really interested to see them explore that sort of pocket of the universe. And they just, they, they just didn't get it, you know, but I mean, you know, you've got the big names, Angelina Jolie in there. I'm really enjoying a lot of Kumail Nanjiani's work at the moment. Um, Let, let's just forget about Stuber. Uh, unfortunately that tanked at the box office. Oh yeah. Well, I, I saw him in um, Tyler Perry's Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, yeah. He did his he did a great episode there. I saw that as well. Obviously, that was fantastic. Obviously, the big sick as well. He had a great performance there. So you're right. He is a hot commodity in Hollywood. Stuber aside, with him and Dave Bautista, I think they'll both get over it. But yes, he is going to be a, a major part of the Eternals. They haven't said which character he is playing as of yet, but it'd be interesting to see. And the lineup there is somewhat strong with names, but again. It's all headed up by Angelina Jolie. Selma Hayek, I believe, is going to be the leader of the Eternals, if I remember correctly. So, I love Selma Hayek. Oh, you and I both. You Huge and I both, my crush friend. on Selma Hayek. Well, I, you know, I, yeah, I can't say whether or not on the air whether or not I've got that same crush. But you know what? I do appreciate her as an actress uh, and all the work that she's done so many times. So there's a great lineup there for the Eternals. As it comes out November 6, 2020, I think there's going to be a lot of education and build-up by Marvel. I don't think they're going to make the same mistake twice that they did with Inhumans. Although, you know, it could be something else that they have in mind. This is so close to being released as far as production and things of that nature. I don't think they're going to pull it. I think if they are going to have another Inhumans-type situation, it's going to be one of the movies on the back end. But as, as of this point in time, I think The Eternals is a go. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen when the Eternals comes out in November 2020. Looking forward to it. Again, well, I'm talking to Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. We're breaking down what Marvel's doing for Phase 4 as they announced it at the San Diego Comic-Con. Coming up after the Eternals in February of 2021. Now, this one really, really hits home with me because I had an episode with Josh. In fact, I've talked to, with Josh about this on more than one occasion that the movies out there needs a hit when it concerns kung fu martial arts they need a martial arts movie to translate over to a worldwide audience and not just one segment of the world population because martial arts movies when they're done really really well are so beautiful to watch and shang chi and the legend of the ten rings 
that could definitely be one that hits home with audiences and that could revive the martial arts movie genre to a whole new level. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I, I grew up watching martial arts movies and I've studied martial arts most of my life. So the idea of there being something that's going to do a better job than Iron Fist makes me really excited. <laughs> I just forget about Iron Fist. I think Marvel has. Yeah. I remember watching the first episode of that show going, this guy's not a martial artist. He didn't even move like a martial artist. But anyway, Shang-Chi. I think it's going to be interesting because they're going to be introducing an Asian superhero. And there's been so much sort of underrepresentation of people of color that I think it's fantastic that the universe is going to be start to including all these sorts of things. And so we're seeing a lot of that with a lot of the um, female-centric movies coming out. And it's great that they're bringing in Shang-Chi as well. What and, also is being brought in as well is a, a true rendition of the Mandarin, which is exciting a lot of people as a bad guy coming into Shang-Chi. That was what I was going to get to as well, is that it's it also links all the way back to the very first Iron Man. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of connected all the way through. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm, Ten rings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very much in in keeping with the whole universe. And I think it's going to be, it's going to do a lot for equal representation in, in films. I'll tell you what, my friend, if you go back, in fact, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to go back and try to find each of the moments in time during the Marvel Cinematic Universe when the Ten Rings was representative, because Marvel has stated that if you go back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Ten Rings, and to me, that's kind of exciting. A lot of people will go back and do that or whatnot. I'm sure you're going to be watching it on YouTube or anything like that. So that's going to be exciting to see as Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, that whole evolution of how Shang-Chi is going to get started and become a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm very excited for my friend because I'll tell you what, again, this could reignite the martial arts genre. And it's definitely going to be something that a lot of people will be interested in. And I think with the Mandarin, being a true version of the Mandarin is going to be something that's going to excite a lot of comic book fans when it comes out. February 12th, 2021. And I love that that, that lead actor as well. He's, yes, I've, yes. I've seen all of uh, Kim's convenience and his comic timing is just amazing. That's going to be a bigger plus too because we've seen tons of martial arts films, very serious for the most part. And sometimes the humor is over the top and not quite catching. Everyone wants to get back to the action, whatnot. This could combine with his talents something that a lot of people are looking for. In fact, he just found out he was Shang-Chi the Tuesday before they announced it this weekend. So he was just <laughs> he was just recently notified he was Shang-Chi. So congratulations to him. And his comedic timing, like you said, from Kim's Convenience, the television show that he has been a part of, he's a relative unknown. He was a former accountant before he actually got into movies. So I'll tell you what, I'm just so glad it will, you know, that this is coming about, that this is going to become a reality, and we're going to hear more about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in the coming months. Looking forward to it as before it debuts in February 2021. Definitely looking forward to it as something a lot of people are going to target to for the martial arts genre. Coming up in spring 2021, goes back to Disney Plus, my friend, with someone we are familiar with in Loki, this is going to take place just after the events of Avengers Endgame, where he actually grabs the Tesseract and goes through a portal 
and changes that timeline. So it's going to show him still as an evil Loki, still as a domineering Loki wanting to control the universe in and of its own fashion. What do you think is in store for Loki? And how do you think this Loki is going to play into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Phase 4? Because we saw a different Loki, a different Tom Hiddleston over the course of time mature into someone we could actually appreciate and enjoy watching as far as a he- almost like a hero, an anti-hero is concerned. Do you see that same type of story arc unfolding or do you see something different when it comes to Loki, the Disney Plus television series that's going to debut in spring 2021? To be honest, I'm kind of hoping that they go somewhere different with it. I feel like we've seen a lot of Loki and for, I mean, he was really, I mean, great character. Tom Hiddleston did a great job portraying him on the on the screen in, in so many films. He was a, a second tier character. He was never like a hugely major Character. He was not um, supposed to be in all these movies that he's in. No, 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 no. And I, I feel like we've seen a lot of him, like a lot of Tom Hiddleston being Loki. And we all sort of have this vision of him now, as you said, in Thor Ragnarok. He's he's matured. He's still a little bit mischievous. Uh, betrays Thor at almost every opportunity. So I'm uh, honestly, part of me is really hoping that they go in this opposite direction. Because they've they've kind of hit that fork in the road before all that sort of stuff happened. So I mean that that scene where he steals a tesseract, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was set in the time frame of 2012, the Avengers first film. So he's got from that point on they they can take a different path with him. Now, how that would later impact movies that have happened since then, you know, if if Loki becomes this other character with this other tesseract. Will that retcon some of the stuff that they've done? Could we see Black Widow come back that way? Maybe, you know? maybe. There's a ton of different stuff that they could do with that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping they that they go with something different and it's not just more of the same. I will tell you this, my friend. If Black Widow scores big numbers at the box office and it's being she'll given, be back. <laughs> yeah, she'll be back. It's being given every opportunity when you're the May movie. You and I know now, my friend, the big movie for whatever property comes out late April, early May. And that's that's the big time for, for movies to come out. And that kicks off the summer movie season. So if it if Black Widow does the big numbers that we are hoping that it does, you're right. She's gonna be back. They're gonna back up the Brinks truck for her and just, you know, get the, get that money down for her and just go ahead and you'll be able to see her at some point. And they'll make up something for it along the way in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Rest assured because it would be great to see her back again. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. But going back to Loki, 
you're right, a different story arc or maybe an elongated story arc where he remains evil for quite some time and then finds inner peace or finds a better part of himself in later episodes of the Loki series. I'm very interested to see how that plays out in the spring of 2021 when it debuts on Disney+. Plus. Also debuting in the spring of 2021, not sure yet if it's going to appear before or after Loki, I think it's going to be before, is WandaVision. And this is something that is even more interesting in the fact that how are they going to go ahead and basically whip up another Vision or trying to go ahead and get him back to life without a stone in his head and get him going to the points where, you know, it said before is how is that relationship going to be? You know, is he going to be the same vision? Most likely to be a scenario where they talked about it, how the best parts of him, you know, in the end of Infinity War could still be made and manufactured and he'd still live and yada, yada, yada. But if he comes back, will he recognize Scarlet Witch? Will they have the same type of relationship or same chemistry? And what new adventures are going to be presented in there? Because it's very interesting to see where that one will go because it is after the events of Avengers Endgame. And how will an older Monica Rambo, a.k.a. Photon, who was just a young girl in Captain Marvel, she's going to be an adult in that series. How is she going to tie into the whole thing as well? Oh, there's so much to unpack here. So much stuff. So Vision, I've read a couple of different things. One theory is that uh, Shuri is going to bring him back. She was doing a backup or something and enough of it was finished that they'll be able to bring him back. But how's this for an idea? Imagine the Vision, like a la Jason Bourne. He's back. He's got amnesia. He's learning. He's just automatically responding to different things happening around him. It, sh- it surprises him as much as it surprises us. And aside from anything else, he's got to come back with no memory of, of, of what's happened before because then you get that whole sort of that uh, elongated TV love story of, uh, of Wanda trying to remind him of who she is and, and the relationship that they had. So there's that angle of the story arc as well. And I'd love to see him like Matt Damon in the first, uh, in the first Bourne film just surprising himself as he remembers all these different crazy things he could do. And then you get to Monica Rambo. Now, first of all, her name's Rambo, so that's just awesome. <laughs> there's so many there's so many different connections in here. As you said, she's she's uh, going to be portrayed by uh, Tiona Paris in uh, in the TV show. Yes. And there's so much potential there in all the different connections. So, you know, she becomes friends and is mentored by Captain America in The Wasp. There's that angle that I was talking about before about the universe becoming more inclusive. She's worked with with Doctor Strange before, so there's that connection there. Because she does get powers. If you go by the comic book series, she does gain powers from, you know, she does gain superhero powers and strength. This will be a big step in the right direction as well. True. Yeah, but she's going to be superhero. She's going to have, if it goes by the comic book character, she's going to have some type of accident or discharge or something that causes her to gain superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a next level sort of superhero, but then you got all these connections and we were talking about winter soldier before and the new captain America and Baron Zemo and her storyline kind of interacts with their, uh, with her as well. When Moonstone and blackout try and trap her in the, in the dark force dimension and all this sort of stuff. And, so there's just 
so many different ways that this sort of like I I got to admit I was skeptical when I was when I heard about WandaVision. I was like, really? Those two? Like you're gonna make a TV show out of that? And but when you look at the other characters as well and the the possible interactions between the TV shows and then the significant impacts that, that could have in the film universe, I think it's gonna be pretty intriguing. And it's going to be very intriguing, my friend. I'll tell you what, I'm so excited for it. As we continue, our, you know, when it comes out, WandaVision will be available on Disney+. Plus. That's also coming in the spring of 2021. I believe it's coming before Loki. But again, since they're so vague, spring of 2021, look for both series around that point of time. They're going to answer a lot of questions after the events of Avengers Endgame for both those series Looking forward to talking about both of them and when they come on and and seeing how that will develop. My friend, though, I think one of the shows that we got to talk about is definitely What If. That's a new animated series coming in summer of 2021. That's going to include Jeffrey Wright from Westworld. He's going to be voicing the Watcher, who we've already seen in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's going to feature over two dozen current or former Marvel stars in voice acting roles. With all that's what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how do you think this is going to play into the series as well? And how, how do you think this is actually going to be playing into the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline? Is it going to mess things up or is it just going to add to it? I think it's going to add to it. It's definitely going to give us an opportunity to uh, to explore different um different storylines that we might have missed felt like we missed out on i mean anything with with jeffrey wright in it is is going to be awesome that guy is just so good in 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 westworld the idea of the watcher now this is this is kind of interesting because i was reading a a bit of a fan theory that with all these stanley cameos that they were building to making him be the watcher so of course they can't continue with that now but uh it's it's going to let us pick up on a whole lot of other different characters so I've, I've I've read that there some of them could be could include Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. He was so good in Black Panther. I'll I'll be happy to see him come back in anything. Neil McDonough's always fun. They've got Bucky Barnes in there, Sebastian Stan. So there's tie-in like there could there's potential tie-ins back to that show as well. Chris Hemsworth is on this list. Loki's there. Jeff Goldblum. So there's an opportunity for them, and because it's animated. It's going to give them an opportunity to to explore these things in a in a way that's going to get around everybody's work schedules, because you don't necessarily need to get all these actors together to be physically on screen together at one time. They're going to be able to just go into sound booths in whatever studios uh, in in whatever cities they're in and re- record their bits and um and and put the show together because it's going to be animated. So. It's got a high level of flexibility that a lot of the other projects aren't going to have. And it's going to sort of offer some, I don't know if it's maybe even possible links to or possible insights into if they decided to explore multiple dimensions. So Spider-Man dropped a bit of that in their, in their last film with their talk with Mysterio, you know, Oh, you tell me that the multiverse is real. I think this is kind of going to give us a bit of a glimpse of what that could be without necessarily committing to that. So we've got, you know, what if Bucky hadn't died in the train accident? What if Nebula joined the Ravengers? Uh, you know, what if Killmonger won? What if he beat Black Panther and, and took control of Wakanda? So I think it's going to let us explore some some storylines without necessarily upsetting 
diehard fans of what's already happened. It's going to be a very interesting show indeed. That is going to be debuting sometime in the summer of 2021 on Disney Plus. So I'm looking forward to hearing more what the watcher is going to have to say when it comes to the What If series on Disney Plus. Coming as well in the summer of 2021, we talked about May being that time of the year that the big movie releases are coming out. And the big movie for Marvel, the big movie of May 2021, that's coming out May 7, 2021, is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You know what? I might have to go ahead and talk to Marvel about that multiverse thing. You know, that we got that name first. But anyways, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming out May 7, 2021. And it, well, two big things from it. Obviously, this is going to be Doctor Strange number two as far as, you know, expanding the powers and character of Benedict Cumberbatch even more. But added on to that, we were talking about WandaVision. Guess who's going to be showing up in that movie? None other than Elizabeth Olsen, a.k.a. Scarlet Witch. She's going to be involved in the middle of that movie as well. Plus, now get this, my friend. Kevin Feige announced Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as the Marvel Cinematic Universe first horror movie. Even though it's still going to be PG-13, that's kind of weird how they're going to play out especially the fact that they want to go ahead and market that to a large audience. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they're going to start playing with some different um, with some different genre styles. And I think that, um, that they owe a lot of that to Thor Ragnarok. So a lot of the films before that had sort of followed a really sort of similar formula to each other. And then Thor Ragnarok sort of went on almost like a buddy cop comedy sort of uh, sort of genre but still within the universe and it worked it was absolutely fantastic so i think that they're exploring different genres to give themselves some more flexibility which will create a longer life for the mcu which is good for everybody but do you um, see that as a big risk for your may movie which is supposed to be your biggest movie of the year or at least one of them the may december movies are supposed to be the biggest release of the year and having that as a quote-unquote Marvel horror movie might turn away some audiences. True, but it does have Benedict Cumberbatch, and if you're gonna, like, if you're gonna bet the bank on anybody, it it'd have to be him. The guy's just an unbelievable actor, and he can. Uh, I I reckon if if anyone could pull it off, it'd be him. So I'm I'm excited about it. I really was excited about uh, the New Mutants because it was that it was going for that horror feel as well. I don't know if we're going to get to see that. And so because of that, I'm excited about the multiverse of madness. Well, the new mutants, I'm still guessing, and I'm still betting on this, that I think it's going to be a Disney plus show. I don't think it'll ever air in theaters. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I think the movie, since it's already been pushed back, I think twice, mm. if I'm not mistaken, is, is it, I think it's being earmarked for as an extra for Disney plus watchers. That's just my opinion. That's nothing I've heard or rumors or anything. That's just a, just a personal guess. But we'll have to wait and see what happens with the new mutants. Plus, Marvel's first horror movie in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness when it appears May 7th of 2021. It's going to be their big release of the summer, so we'll have to wait and see. Very excited about that. Coming up, we I mean, we talked about 2021 being a huge year with Shang-Chi, WandaVision, Loki, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. What if all those are coming out in 2021? Plus, in the fall of 2021 on Disney Plus is the Hawkeye series coming to Disney Plus. Like I said, fall of 2021, 
Jeremy Renner will reprise his role, but it looks like from all what Kevin Feige was saying is that it's going to focus on him transitioning out of the Hawkeye role, getting Kate Bishop, who who is familiar to comic book fans as the current Hawkeye, for all intents and purposes, on most of the comic book series that are out currently right now. She is the current Hawkeye, and there's been a great storyline that's been recently done in regards to her transitioning into the Hawkeye. He may still have some spots as Ronan or flashbacks as Ronan during his time just before Avengers Endgame. Your thoughts on the new Hawkeye series, because I think of all the series that's going to be on Disney+, Plus, this is the biggest gamble of all. Well, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I uh, I did archery as a as a teenager, so for me, anything where the where the hero is an archer, I I, I just love it, and I'll and I'll watch it all day every day. Um, but it's and, clear from what Kevin Feige was saying that this is more to set up her character for the long term in a Young Avengers possible movie in Phase Five or the Avengers movies down the road when they finally come out in Phase Five, maybe in three, four, five years down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I also love the love the Ronin character as well, and that kind of those uh, that sort of Japanese samurai influences as well. You know, I mean, if they draw on some Kurosawa influences, that could come up with some really cool sequences for Jeremy Renner to do. You know, he's he's absolutely got the action chops for the for the. What I want to see is like I want to see them go more real world nitty gritty with him. You know, we've we've seen. Um, him managing to shoot down all these aliens all around New York City with all these hidden arrow stashes because, you know, he can't run around and pick them all up when they're uh, flying away on a spaceship. So he, he's copped a bit of uh, – the character has has copped a lot of flack about that. I'd like to see them kind of go the other way and go real-world nitty-gritty with him. He's done a Bourne film. We know that he's got all that fast action, hand-to-hand sort of combat stuff, and we know that he's got the – the archery gear as well. We saw him briefly as Ronan, so we know he we know he's got the sword play skills. Let's get nitty gritty with it. Let's get dirty with it. And I really hope that they don't pull a bait and switch on us. I, I understand what you're saying about um, about setting up Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop, yeah. I'm hoping that they're not going to bring Jeremy Jeremy Renner in for one episode, and then he's gone, and we're left with Kate Bishop. No disrespect to Kate Bishop fans. I want to see the Hawkeye transition into Ronan's story. It'll probably be on the last episode where he says his goodbyes or at least retires or if he lives through it, you know what I'm saying? I think that they wouldn't go ahead and do a Hawkeye series without him having a presence, at least in a good portion, if not all of the series. It's going to transition to her getting some of the, the screen time into more and more and more. And by the end, it's going to be more her then Jeremy Renner, but I believe there'll still be some Jeremy Renner by the time the end of the series. And maybe it will end his character. Maybe we'll just retire his character to have him available if they want to go ahead and bring him back at some point in time. But again, he's always wanted to go back home to his family. So we'll have to wait and see. This could be the way that it explains itself as far as Clint Barton's role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when Hawkeye comes out in the fall of 2021. And when it concerns Hawkeye, I know a lot of people troll on him in his character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know a lot of people have been disappointed with his character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think Avengers Endgame was probably Jeremy Renner's best performance as Hawkeye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was given more to shine in that movie than probably at any other point in time. 
So I'm hopeful that they will go ahead and give him more opportunities to shine when the Hawkeye series again comes out to Disney Plus in the fall of 2021. And that leads us to our final part of phase four, my friend. 11 projects in total, my friend. We've talked about a lot of great stuff. Again, that's Black Widow coming out first, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Eternals, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, WandaVision, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Loki, What If series, Hawkeye, and it all leads into November 5th, 2021, when Thor, Love and Thunder comes out to theaters. My friend, I'm still excited for what's going on within the Thor universe that we should be this tired of Thor by now. But you know what? With Taika Waititi directing this movie as well, ditching Akira, and I'm sorry to say I'm kind of bummed about that part of it, but he's actually going to go ahead and direct Thor, Love and Thunder. And you know what? Natalie Portman is back as Jane Foster, and she'll end up at some point in time in the movie playing the female Thor, which we've seen in most recent Marvel comic books. So tell me your thoughts on Thor, Love and Thunder, whether it's Fat Thor or regular Thor. What are your thoughts on Thor, Love and Thunder and Natalie Portman coming back as Jane Foster, evolving into a female Thor? I'm really excited about this, uh, about the concept. To be honest, if it wasn't for uh, Taika Waititi and what he did with Thor Ragnarok, I'd be done with that franchise. The first Thor was okay. The second Thor, I really didn't like it. All that stuff with the Dark Elves, I still can't tell you what happened in that film. But the the third one really sort of brought it back for me. So when I heard he was back, when uh, Chris Hemsworth was back, I was really excited. They're going to be bringing in a female Thor. There's so many different comic moments that you could have with that storyline, as well as some incredibly awesome action moments. I think most recently Atomic Blonde had some some of the best female-centric action scenes I've seen, so they could sort of go right into that sort of feel of it as well. I don't like Natalie Portman. I don't know if that's if if that's a bad thing to say or not. That's the only thing that I'm not excited about. I didn't like her in in the first two films. I was glad when she had exited the MCU. She has said a lot in the last 10 years about how she's happy to be out of the MCU. So I can only imagine how large the check must have been that they waved in front of her to, uh, to, to, to get her to come back. But I honestly don't know why they would. I bet you she was also excited and thinking about getting back into Thor after watching Ragnarok and seeing where that went. And that could be an issue as well because... The fact is, it's so much more fun to watch Thor movies. You're right. To me, the first two Thors were not exactly a pleasant experience, especially the second one. But it has evolved into something people are excited to see. Everybody was excited to hear when Taika Waititi came back for a director's role for Thor Love and Thunder. I know a lot of people are excited about that. Again, all apologies to the Akira movie, which, you know what, is near and dear to my heart, and that hopefully it will get made at some point in time before you and I die of old age. But we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see on that one. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it is going to be Thor Love and Thunder with Jane Foster coming back. And at some point in time, we're going to play a female version of Thor. Is it going to have the cancer scenario that we saw in the comic books how jane foster passed away as female thor in the comic books we'll have to wait and see if they're going to do something different in the marvel cinematic universe i'm sure she's very happy about where this could be going for her now that she's back into it she had a lot like you said a lot of discernible feelings and a lot of angst and and anger for the marvel cinematic universe about the how and you know the her departure her thoughts on somebody involved in the marvel process that 
she was very appreciative of and that she admired was let go or, or left the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, process from a Marvel Studio standpoint, which caused a lot of this angst between her and Marvel. But it looks like a lot has been repaired. You're right. They might have backed up the Brinks truck for her. But you know what? I think it's just going to be great to see her. A lot of fans all over the social media outside of yourself had said they're happy to see her back because they love her in Star Wars. They love her in Marvel. They they really have affinity for her work. But you know what? Hopefully she will redeem herself in your eyes when Thor Love and Thunder comes out November 5th, 2021 to theaters. So I'm looking forward to that. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And that wraps up Phase 4. That's 11 projects in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's so much to consume. Before we get to the little tidbits that Kevin Feige dropped on his way out of the Marvel Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con, I want to ask you, going through all that process of Phase 4, is it too much or is it just right? And are you excited for what's coming up in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mate, there's so much there. And as we said, Kevin Feige dropped a few more that probably won't come out till, till Phase 5. There's so much in Phase 4 already. I reckon that there's got to be a few more announcements. I'm thinking D23, late August. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I didn't see too much about that. Captain Marvel um, 2 also was Captain well. Marvel 2, Cap- yep. yeah. Spider-Man 3. Well, that's probably on a Sony end. I'm not sure Sony will go ahead and let them do that as far as announce that. Maybe that Sony's going to do that on their own. Maybe they'll let Marvel do it. I mean, Marvel just helped them get Spider-Man Far From Home to a billion-dollar mark. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on there. But you're right. And then also Black Panther 2. All these movies were not talked about during the course of the Hall H Marvel Comic-Con conference. And to tell you what, it's so exciting to hear what could be coming up for those projects Hopefully we'll hear it in late August at D23. But before we end our discussion, our Marvel, three things I want to talk about that Kevin Feige dropped on his way out. Number one was, this one was for me out of left field, was that there is going to be in phase five, a new blade with Mahershala Ali, who is a two-time Academy Award winner. And I couldn't think of anyone better suited for the role. Yeah, it came out of left field for me. I hadn't heard anything about it, hadn't seen anything about it, and then I saw an announcement, Blade's back, and it's Mahashala Ali. I was like, yes, yes, that is absolutely fantastic. I didn't even realize that the guy that I'd been watching in True Detective was the same guy who'd played Cottonmouth on the Netflix Marvel shows. And I just went, oh, yeah, 100%. He's the only person at the moment. Well, the story goes, my friend, that... After he won his second Academy Award, he went to Marvel and said he wanted to be Blade. And Kevin yeah. Feige says, when Mahershala Ali wants to be Blade, you're going to make him Blade. So yeah. it's great to see that he has a type of power and clout to go ahead and do that. I'm excited to see what happens because Blade, the original, and to some extent the trilogy had its moments. But yes, the original Blade movie is a classic. And we've always talked about it on the show as being the best 
Marvel movie before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm glad to see he's going to be back in line with what's going on for the future of the MCU. And Mahershal Ali, definitely a great, great actor and a perfect fit for Blade as it goes forward. Two more things, my friend, to drop. You know, he talked about on the way out a Fantastic Four that's going to be happening sometime in Phase 5. I think they're going to be dropped, at least name dropped, or even seen in some type of either co-starring, guest role, or credit scene at some point in time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Phase 4. But are you excited that they're finally going to do something right when it comes to Fantastic Four, possibly with their own movie that was mentioned and hinted at in Phase 5? Mate, I really hope that they can turn it around for Fantastic Four. I liked the first one with Chris Evans and then the second one was a bit near and then the reboot. I love all those actors individually in the reboot. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened there. It just, it was awful. So I, I, I am really excited to see it all come back together with Tony Stark stepping out. We've definitely got an opportunity for another genius to step in and sort of take that, uh, take that tech genius role. So yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's really interesting I want to know more before I actually pass judgment on it, before I say, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm going to want to know who's in it. I'm going to want to know how it's connected to the universe. But, uh, I mean, if if they own all, like, all the exclusive rights to it and they've got and, – and they're going to give it the MCU treatment, I'm pretty excited to see what comes out. As am I, my friend. On his way out, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, dropped this one-liner that got everybody excited. Not enough time to talk about mutants just yet, but stay tuned. I just got everybody's dander up as far as the future for the X-Men, which could be a very real possibility at some point down the line. Phase 5, you know, that looks more like a definite. Phase 4, they might even hint at mutants and X-Men and all that, but I definitely think that Phase 5, you'll see something materialize with the X-Men before a Secret War scenario comes down the line, maybe at some point, maybe six, seven years down the line. So I'm excited for that, to see them go ahead and try and reshape and rehabilitate not only the Fantastic Four franchise, but the X-Men franchise as well. Yeah, mate, I was uh, super excited about that as well. They really need to turn that universe around. The less and less that that Hugh Jackman had to do with it, the worse and worse that X-Men universe, the X-Men films seem to go as far as I'm concerned. I think they need to give us that time to sort of forget about the current X-Men universe, forget about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. They're going to need to give the audience time before they start recasting and reintroducing Wolverine. I would really like to see some of the other characters get a bit more sort of spotlight time rather than just focus on Wolverine. There's so many other characters just in that X-Men universe that could do with a lot more time on screen as well. So yeah, I, I think that there's definitely a lot of potential there. I was super excited when I read that and I can't like, that has to be deliberate. He has to have deliberately just dropped that line as he was walking off stage. You knew that's something he was going to mention, so I'm glad he did, and you're right. It was very calculated, and it leaves a lot of people in anticipation for not only D23, but the future going forward for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is this, to you, the biggest Marvel drop ever as far as their conference is concerned? Because to me, I certainly say by far and away that this is the biggest ever done. I would say so. I mean, we're coming on 20 years now. People have been wanting this to come together, the whole X-Men universe to join the mainstream MCU stuff. Definitely for the last 10 years since the MCU officially started, 
people have been dying to see the X-Men join in. So this is, you know, 10 years, almost 20 years of expectation, of wanting, of longing. And to just sort of just dangle that little bit just in front of us like that has to be the biggest talking point for the next couple of months of social media. It's going to be awesome indeed to talk about as we get into phase four coming up in the near future as described by Marvel. If you have any questions about phase four or if you'd like to comment about what you like and what you don't like about what's upcoming in phase four, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, we've got a lot more to talk about when it comes to Star Trek, Westworld, DC, and more at Comic-Con with Ben Arnault on a special episode coming this week to the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on your favorite podcast outlet. So for Ben Arnault of Smoking Hot Confessions, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Do you like scary movies? Well, we do too. That's why the Spooky Dudes are talking horror movies every single week. We discuss the latest in horror news and review a different film in each episode. We'll bring you our opinions on the classics, the new stuff, and a little bit of everything in between. So if you enjoy horror movies and lighthearted fun discussions, check us out. The Spooky Dudes Podcast right here on the ESO Podcast Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.